so this year with my mantra, because I admit I was on the new year bandwagon a little bit trying to figure out if I wanted to come up with some goals and state some objectives and put some measurable items out. And then I was like, you know what? My soul and my spirit spoke to me and was just like, chill. No new goals, no new plans are needed, but just enjoy the destination of now. Enjoy what years of prayer, planning, work, and grace have yielded. And just simply be allowing your being to be your doing. Meaning that, and in the Bible, it says, you know, our lights will shine. So I've gotten feedback you know, over the last few weeks of people saying, I am so inspired by what you're doing. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything other than just enjoying life, doing the things that I really enjoy doing. And it's still unfolding for me to really get comfortable in this space because I'm so used to striving and so used to doing. But right now, I am just really enjoying planning trips, having quiet days at home, Welcome back to Intentional Queen Podcast Journey to Restoration with Janine. I am your host. I'm a certified life coach, and I am here to give you guys some tea on self-love, self-healing, and growth mindset. All throughout this year, you guys know my word of the year has been balanced. So I have a special guest with me today that I feel like it's going to be for you. We're going to be talking about how to become unstuck in some of your beliefs and some of your habits and sometimes just enjoying your life for where it is and that you are enough right where you are right now. You also know I have the Intentional Queen Refuel. It's the free newsletter. It comes out the last Thursday of every month. You can get that by signing up at intentionalqueenjourney.com. We have the Patreon community, Cost of a Coffee, create a community for you guys. You're going to love it. We have accountability. We have events loading. We have some big stuff. All that you can find at intentionalqueenjourney.com. But without further ado, guys, let's jump in with Dr. Shalanda Atkins. And I don't want to mess your name up. So why don't you go ahead and let us know a little bit about you and why I chose you? Because I'm just so blessed to have you here on the podcast. First of all, thank you for inviting me and thank you for the role that you have played in my life on my journey of getting unstuck and sharing my message with other people. So introducing myself, I am going to introduce myself without the titles, but just who I am, the essence of who I am. I am a dreamer. I am a seeker of peace. I am a wanderer. And I just love seeking balance. I'm a very introspective person. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I have always lived in South Carolina, but my spirit has always been elsewhere, <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> except Charleston, South Carolina. I am a wife of 25 years, a mother of three children, ages 22, 19, and 16. So we're knocking on the door being empty nesters. I consider myself to be a helper, an inspiration, a luminary, and a guide. My professional title is physician assistant. I have been a PA for the last nine years, and my specialty is psychiatry. I've also worked in internal medicine, and I practice in South Carolina and also the U.S. Virgin Islands. I am also a professional speaker. So I do keynote speeches and also um, CME, continuing medical education for healthcare providers and workshops, all the things. And I'm also a success coach, helping people to get unstuck and create a life they don't have to escape. My favorite things to do, <laughs> I absolutely love seeing the world and not just seeing the world, but interacting with the people that I meet along the journey, because I believe that everybody has a story. 
everyone has a story. And I love hearing those stories and seeing how we are all connected because I do feel like there's a common theme with humanity. We're all seeking joy, a life of happiness and a life of peace. So that's who I am in a nutshell. Listen, well, two things. One, you got a lot of receipts and I love it, love it, love it. Two, you just touched on, uh, actually, at the time of recording, guys, I am just popping out the self-belief and self-love, talking about you need to dig a little deeper. And I talk about the difference between your who and your do. And so I love how Shalonda came on the scene and said, hold on, Janine, I got these titles, but I also am a luminary and all these other things. So that is a message for somebody that I want somebody to catch, that there is a difference between your titles and who you are are and so that was one of the reasons why i wanted her on the podcast too because we're both professional women we're both in healthcare, and we both have hit spots in our lives where we understand that we do have to seek introspection and create some balance because our professions i will say can be taxing on the body mentally and physically if we are not refueling ourselves so listen we're going to get into this i'm just so excited for this conversation so why don't you tell me a little bit about how and why you became a PA. So you said you became one nine years ago, but you did some internal medicine and then you switched to doing psychiatry and mental health. Tell me about that. So my journey to becoming a PA is definitely non-traditional. I was in my 30s when I went back to school and it started with a conversation. So this is the importance of surrounding yourself with other people, other um, you know, like-minded people. So I was with a group of ladies and we were having a discussion. You know, Our kids are younger now, but as they get older, what do we want to do? And at that particular time, I was working as a motivational speaker for Munster.com and also a real estate agent. So we had uh, two arms of that business, one real estate sales, helping other people buy and sell property, and then an investment arm where we purchase properties for ourselves to either rent out or flip. And I knew that wasn't what I necessarily wanted to do for the rest of my life. I mean, I literally had this conversation with God. I was like, God, you have put all of these gifts and talents in me. And I feel that there is something that I should be doing. This is not it. Can you show me? Can you help me? And I went through this period for about three years, just really wandering and trying to figure out my place. And so during this conversation with these women, we were riding in a car. I was a van and I was sitting in you know, the back seat and one said, well, my husband said, maybe I should become a PA. And the other one said, you know, my husband mentioned that too. So both of their husbands were physicians. And I said, what's a PA? And they said, you know, the PA, the one that you see, they wear the white coats too, but um, they're not the doctor, but they're not the nurse, but they can prescribe medications. And I was like, she is awesome. So believe it or not, literally that same day, I went home, Google physician assistant, read up on it. And I thought from everything I was reading, this describes me. I just don't have the, you know, the knowledge, like the healthcare, like how to diagnose and treat patients. But as far as what people were saying about what they liked about the PAs compared to the MDs, I said, that's me, you know, the personal, personable part, the, um, you know, just being able to, to gather information, be able to explain it. And so I looked at PA schools. And at the time there was only one PA school in our state and it happened to be in the city in which I lived. And the very next day they had an information session. So just talking about alignment and how things are lining up. So I talked to my husband and I was like, you know what? Interested in this. I think I'm going to go to this information session. And so I went, I was a little intimidated when I showed up at the info session because the majority of the people there (laughs) 
who are way younger than me. Some even had their parents with them. And here I am, this grown woman married with kids sitting in a room of people who are interested in becoming a PA. And they told me that the statistics were something like 68 slots for, or only 68 slots, but typically they get seven to 800 applicants per year, extremely competitive. And um, me being the person I am, I was like, okay, I'm still doing it. <laughs> so I did that. I had to hurry up and take the GRE again because my GRE scores were so old. I ended up um, enrolling in a local technical college to start working on the prereqs that I needed because my sciences were so old. And um, one of my friends actually said to me, well, what are you going to do? Like, what's your plan B? I said, I don't have a plan B. This is the plan A, B, and C. And um, I applied, got invited for an interview, got accepted. And um, that's the story of how I became a PA. Best decision as far as my career. Well, you know, I say that best decision, but everything that I did leading up to that honestly played a role into shaping me to be the healthcare provider that I am today. So that's how I became a PA. And it's funny, I've always really been into writing down, you know, goals and writing down the things that you like, pros and cons, keeping the list. And as I was in school, I started writing down some of the things that I wanted my career to look like. And it was a pretty lofty list. I didn't even share it with anybody. I didn't, I didn't start sharing this until recently, but I wrote down that I wanted to work part-time hours with full-time pay. And the reason I wrote that is because I had already been there, done that, working full time, having kids and the stress that that put on me, what put on our family. I didn't want that. And so I figured, you know what, I'm just going to write these things down. And if I get a few, great. If I don't, you know, doesn't hurt. I'll still shoot for it. So that was the first thing. The second thing was that I wanted to work in a specialty that did not require me to be on call where I wouldn't have to work weekends, wouldn't have to work nights. And I also wanted to be close to home so that I could have access you know, to my family and my kids if they needed me. And um, I also, and this was like a little asterisk that I put by this one, I wanted to be able to travel doing the work that I did once I got some experience under my belt. And so I wrote these things down before I graduated, before I became a board certified physician assistant. And fast forward, when I graduated, all of those things came to pass minus the travel part that came later. Mm. So I got a few things I want to say on that, that, that jumped out for me first. Let's talk about all the things you just listed were about manifestation and your why. So your why was you wanted to be part-time, but get that full-time money. You wanted to travel, like you had intentions on what you wanted to do. And that's what was fueling you to keep going to show up for your family and the things you wanted to do. As I was thinking about, as you said, you went back to school after being married and having kids and everything and how it can be intimidating doing things. Um, what's the word? Um, not, uh, I don't want to say unorthodox because that's not the word I'm looking for, but not conventional, right? Not the typical way people do things. It's funny because it touched me a little bit in my story because the way I did my whole career is not the normal way. I took every step. So for instance, in high school, I was valedictorian. And at that program, you could become a nurse. And I came out of there at 17 as a nurse. And then they said, we'll give you a free ride wherever you want to go. And I said, no, I want to stay in my local state because they'll give me my RN at 19. So then I went to a college and they paid for everything then. Then I got my RN with a bachelor. Then I got my RN with a master's. But when I was going for my anesthesia, which is my RN with the master's, that was the hardest degree I ever did. 
And with that one, <clears throat> the debt is huge. It's about the cost of a townhome. And um, I had to make intentions when I wrote down if I wanted to get in there. One, they normally only take nurses in certain calibers. And at that point, I have been a nurse for almost 10, 15 years before applying. So when I was showing up to the um, interview or the info session, they were like, oh, we are in NICU. So we're doing needle nail. We're, we're over here in NICU. We're over here. And I'm like, well, I'm running receipts, but it's not that. I did shock trauma and um, neuro ICU before I went in there, but that wasn't where most of my career was. So then they said, well, Janine, we only have 20 slots, but we're going to take 200 applicants. So I went in there unconventionally not sure if I was going to get it, had to do the GREs, like you said, do all these different things and wondering if I'm going to get this slot. And you have to apply a year or two ahead of when you want to start. So I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to get in. The The interview was crazy because they said, well, this is one of the highest uh, careers to have drug abuse, uh, divorce, this, I mean, they're just laying it on thick. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I want a family. <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't married yet. And so anyway, they're talking all these things and I'm like, oh, do I really want to get into this? Then they're like, well, you can't work. You can't this. You can't do that. And my family's looking at me like, why are you signing up? You're already a nurse. And I said, yeah, but this this is where I'm feeling glad. And so mm -hmm. I did the anesthesia thing. I finished. And so I was the youngest in my class for that. And then I had got married, what, a year or two after because I met my ex-husband while I was in school when I was finishing. But man, the burnout, the rate of having to do all those things and get to a point where you don't have to have all these lofty goals. You don't have to have all those things anymore. I feel like you said things prepare you so you can get to the end. So as you was talking, I'm like, well, I've been through a lot, but now I'm kind of like, I did the work. Now I want to relax in my work that I put in. Like I want, mm -hmm. I want my receipts. I want my, I want my harvest now. I pay my dues. I want to do that. I don't want to work as hard anymore. Like my son. So I had my child later in life. I had my son in my thirties. You know what I mean? I was 31 when I had him and you know, I'm like, Ugh. you know, most of my friends could watch my son. They had teenagers. They had all <laughs> types of stuff. I was late to the party on some things. And so what I'm getting at is sometimes the way that life works out for you is to get you to the purpose. So it prepared me for everything from motivational speaking to showing up as a life coach to help others. to so all the mentoring that I do with the youth, because people always call me back to speak to children about knowing what your career is. And so I go back to the high school that I graduated from, and they used to have me come speak to the students. And so if I didn't go through those things, I wouldn't be able to show back up for others. And I think sometimes, like you said, it's just understanding where you are in your past will prepare you for your future, even if you don't really see it at the moment, because sometimes we really don't know. You just faith in that thing and just saying, well, I'm hoping these these things manifest and come to fruition, but I'm OK. Like you said, there's no plan A, B and C. This is it like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes when you when I found that when I've written things down and I go back years later and look at what I wrote down that I've evolved and I've shifted and those things are no longer a priority. It's always beautiful when you see the things that did manifest and you're like, yes, you know, that there was a reason that I wanted this. But then there are some times where you can look at something and say, wow, there is growth represented here because this is no longer a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And that that's okay, though. Like, I think sometimes we still be trying to take all those past things with us. But sometimes it's mm -hmm. just fragments of it that you take, you know, and you keep moving. But sometimes we get stuck in that space that we want to take all that with us. And it's okay to lay some of it down or evolve into something better. 
or add to it. Cause sometimes I feel like you said, you added the success coach on that. And, um, you know, we're big on talking about accountability. And so I just love seeing you flourish in this new setting, even with being a success coach. All Thank right. You. Yeah. So whew, we just helped somebody there. So why <laughs> did you choose mental health? I know you said it was about, you know, the hours and not no weekends and holidays. Cause you know, in my nurse anesthesia, <laughs> weekends and holidays and 24 hour calls are common, but why mental health? Did you have a passion for mental health? Not a stated passion. I would say mental health is one of those things that actually it called me when I was in school and I was making my list as I started going on clinical rotations, I was making the list of, yeah, I could see myself doing this and absolutely nope, I could not see myself doing this. <laughs> and so I honestly thought I was going to end up in family medicine. I absolutely love the component of family medicine where you just get to follow everybody, you know, the continuity of care, knowing someone's uh, siblings, knowing their grandmother, and just, you know, being able to come in and chat. So we're talking about health, but then we're also like, oh yeah, so-and-so just turned two. And I love that part about it. And when I went on my very first rotation, it was a family medicine rotation. And of course I was terrified because family medicine, you have to know a little bit about everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was quite challenging. And I didn't think I did that great of a job, but apparently I did because after I left, my preceptor <laughs> called me back and he said they were going to be expanding and bringing on a physician assistant and everybody liked me. They were watching me and wanted to know if I was interested when I graduated to come back and work. Right. So family medicine, I, I felt really comfortable with it. And so that was the plan. But then I had my mental health, my behavioral health rotation. And I went to that rotation. And that first week I was like, it felt at home. It literally did. And Janine, when I tell you what I was feeling, I've been doing that since being on the playground. Like I can remember being in elementary school and seeing someone upset and going, saying, hey, what's wrong? Well, it's okay. Come over here. We got you. And that's how I've always been. I've always been that person where, you know, my friends are calling and I can help them through different situations or even people that I don't know will ask for my advice. And of course, back then it's just like, well, you know, it's no big deal, but now I can look back and see the golden thread. Mm. That's something that I was gifted with. And so being able to combine a gift with science in by way of a profession, that's what being on that mental health rotation illuminated for me. And so I remember asking my preceptor, I said, uh, have you ever thought about hiring a PA to help you? Because he was very busy on his walk-in days. Sometimes people would come in with no appointments and they would literally wait two to three hours to be seen. Wow. And he was just constantly working. I mean, he never really took a break, never really took a lunch break. I mean, he just popped food in his mouth. And he said, well, I've never had a PA student want to work in mental health, but um, he was like, I would definitely love for you to join my practice if that's what you want. And I'm thinking, really? Wait, that's to give myself a job? <laughs> Power of opening exactly. your mouth. And I remember when I, when I, I wrote up a formal letter and I put in my letter, I said, shameless plug for myself. I would like to my hat in the ring if this is the route that you are wanting to go. And I had to do the research because he had never had a PA in his practice. And at the time there weren't many psych PAs in South Carolina. I reached out to our state organization and asked if they knew of any psych PAs and they put me in contact with just two. All they knew about were two. And uh, one was nice enough to share with me the structure 
you know, as far as like compensation and, you know, the hours and, you know, what type of patients to see. And we sort of use that as the framework model to really just create this position. And that's how I started working in psychiatry. And when I graduated, one of my uh, best friends, her husband owns a practice, internal medicine. And so literally getting off the plane, I turned my phone on. We were just getting back from celebrating, graduating from PA school. I turned my phone on and there's a message from him saying, hey, do you know any PAs who might want to work part time because I need some help at my practice? And I'm like, uh, hello. So I wrote him back and I said, well, are you looking for someone like really experienced or would you consider a new PA? He said, it doesn't matter. So, okay, well, let's talk. Mm -hmm. So I ended up with two jobs. So I started working with him part-time and then I started, I was working um, in the psychiatry practice part-time while I was building up my patient load. And that's how I ended up with the two part-time jobs. So the flexible schedule, one was about seven minutes out the back of my neighborhood the other office was about six minutes out the front of my neighborhood. <laughs> so I was close to home. Mm -hmm. And because I was working as an independent contractor um, and not across across the board, a lot of times when you work as an independent contractor, the compensation is higher because they're not paying the fringe benefits. So my husband had the you know steady job with the benefits. So I didn't need the health insurance and all of those things. So the compensation, the amount of money I was making as a brand new grad was like, whoa, definitely over the average of what PAs were making. So it all just, it, it just happened the way that it was supposed to. So again, I didn't necessarily choose it. It was me being there and feeling that it was, it just came natural. I just knew I needed to learn the science behind it, but I just knew that was where I was supposed to be. Mm, it sounds just like divine intervention on that. Mm -hmm. Listen, I know about that. I had started, well, you know, I got a lot of receipts too. Because <laughs> when we talk, I talk to you about jobs and stuff. But, you know, it just made me understand like the 1099 and how to build a business. And so me even starting my own anesthesia practice that I had started years back in reference to being able to contract yourself and learning that framework and figuring out what it looks like. And the compensation is different. What I try to say is understanding our worth, sometimes even as um, Black professionals, just understanding we are females as well. So just even knowing what our financial worth is in some of these situations. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, and that and I will say, and that has been a large part of me being unstuck. Because as my husband always tells me, he said, your hands are on the levers so I can work as much as I want. And when I feel like I need to pull back and I can pull back. And for me, I absolutely love doing the independent contractor route, because, again, what I truly value. And when I was writing those goals down, really what those goals were saying is I want flexibility. I want freedom. And those are the things that I value. And you know what I realized? What See, realize? I was telling people that. I wanted to work part time because it was my kids. Like, so if my kids needed me, if I needed to go to the school for an award ceremony, I didn't have to ask somebody, you know, can I take time off? But my kids have gotten older and they don't need me like that. Two of them don't even live in South Carolina and I still don't want to work full time. So it's not the kids. <laughs> it's not the kids. But that was the initial goal. But then it felt so good. You're like, listen, I still love this. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when I say work full time, I um, I'm, I'm referring to clinical practice, seeing patients, you know, full time, because when I'm not seeing patients, that frees me up to operate more on the creative side and do some of the other things, you know, the content that I put out and, um, you know, the inspirational material and working with people individually. So I'm still working, but it's just that I have the opportunity to spend time doing some of the things that don't require so much stress. Yes. I mean, I can respect that in so many ways. This is part of my passion and showing up in other ways as a life coach and as a motivational speaker. And I told you how we started the Intentional Queen podcast and how I really feel like it is impacting people all over the world. And so what I focus more on with my coaching is about mindset. And that's part of the reason why I keep bringing you on here and I want you to talk more about it. So we talk about self-love, self-healing, and growth mindset. So let's go in more with mindset with you. What does that mean to you? What do you think it really means to balance out your mindset or become unstuck? Because that's your, you know, term. I like that. Yeah. So let me let me give you the definition of unstuck. Because really, it's going to mean something different for everybody. The essence of being unstuck is when you're living your self-proclaimed definition of success. Mm. that's that's simple mm -hmm. it's when you're living your self-proclaimed definition of success so you really have to search and figure out what success means in your heart and unlearn what you've been exposed to in society because most of the times what we see as success is based on society's metrics of success mm. that's good you know, it doesn't matter how many positions, how many degrees, you know, cars, kids, relationships, you know, it's really about what you feel like is successful. And when I think about it, most of the people that I talk to, if they say, well, you know, I want to go back to school and I want to get this particular degree. If you keep asking why, okay, well, why do you want to get that degree? Well, if I get this degree, then I can get that job. Okay, well, why do you want that job? Well, that job pays a lot. Okay, well, why do you need a job that pays a lot? Because then I can get the house that I wanted or I can get that car or I can move. And if I move, this is where you know more professional people are. And if you keep asking that why, it's a certain type of lifestyle that people are wanting, but it's not the car, it's not the house, it's really not the relationship, but it's that sense of, I made it. Mm -hmm. Now I made it. I'm at peace. Mm -hmm. But why do we have to get those things? Why do we have to acquire those things? Why can't we work on getting unstuck and generating that feeling and have it radiate from the inside out instead of acquiring things and then having the feeling come from the outside in. And that is like a complete paradigm shift. <laughs> I don't remember anybody teaching me that. Me either. I don't That's remember good. hearing anybody talk. In fact, if I had heard that back in the day, I probably think they were a little weird. Like they kind of mm -hmm. out there. Because it's not but, what you see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So really getting unstuck is so personal. It's, it's, it's really a personal thing, but it's your definition of success. So first of all, figuring out what success means to you and then living that. That's unstuck. I love it. So could you give me something that you felt you had to overcome as an obstacle in that? Because for you be saying becoming unstuck, did you feel like you were stuck? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. There were times where I felt stuck. Uh, one of the first times that I felt stuck was when I became a mom. And I so I did the thing I did what I was supposed to do. I graduated high school. I went to college. I got my first job. And then when we had our first child, I'm like, uh oh, I'm not ready to put her in daycare yet. And I want to stay home. <laughs> I went through this. I'm laughing because that was that was my whole story. <laughs> and so, um, so I went to my boss. Now, now, like I said, my oldest daughter is 22. So this is a long time ago. This is before remote work and all that was a, a big thing. But we had just got these new things called laptops, and I was like, oh, these are cool. So they're not like we can move these and go from desk to desk. So I came with the proposition, and I said, you know wondering if I could maybe just come in two or three times a week and then do my work from home. And he quickly shot that down. He's like, no, I was working with a fortune 500 company, which in itself was a big deal. That was my first job out of undergrad that I started as an intern and they offered that position to me. So I had a big girl job. Like I was surrounded by professionals who I went to trainings. They sent me to conferences. And so he said, no, we, my husband and I, we did a budget. <laughs> we looked at that budget and we looked at that budget because we were both working full time. And um, it's like, well, if I don't work, if I stay at home, can we make it? And that was that was a lot of bread at the bottom of that budget. And that was around the, that was around the time we started. We had um, started listening to like Dave Ramsey. And we had like the envelope. I did, system. <laughs> I did Financial Peace University. I know what that yes, is. Right. Yes. There. Yeah, I did the envelope. We were like, OK, we're going to do it. And so I left my job and I became a stay at home mom. So you might think I was talking about feeling stuck when I was wanting to stay home, but the stuckness started when I became a stay-at-home mom, because what I didn't realize was that was not going to be enough for me. As much as I love my baby, I love being the, her sole caregiver. I could make sure that she had the best care, didn't have to worry about the germs and all the other stuff you worry about, you know, as a new mom. Mm -hmm. But I struggled. I struggled with what was the purpose of me going to college and getting a degree if I'm just going to stay home? I struggled with people thinking that I didn't work. So people wanted, can you run this errand for me? Or people want to just drop by the house. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, the whole boundaries mm -hmm. thing. I, I struggled with wanting to contribute financially to our household, like not having discretionary income, you know, so it was, it was all of those things just kind of going around in my mind. And so I started thinking like, well, what can I do to give me the perfect balance? I can still maybe stay home, but maybe do work from home jobs. But when I was trying to look at a newspaper, because that's how we looked for jobs back then, mm -hmm. everything that was work from home, it was, it just, it just didn't appeal to me. I'd always get this feeling in the pit of my stomach, just knowing that's just not what I'm supposed to be doing. So sitting in that space for a long time, just trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? So that was my first experience with feeling stuck. And I've had some other um, times of feeling stuck. I can fast forward. So let's, let's go. That was more on the maybe kind of career side, parenthood side, but uh, from a geographical location standpoint, I felt stuck. I remember telling my husband that I just feel like I want to move. Like I want to go outside of Charleston. I, I don't know if I feel like I, done everything that I'm supposed to do here. I've done everything I've set out to do, but I just feel like it's time for me to expand. So what do you do with that? Like, right. what do you do with that? Then a pandemic comes and everything comes to a screeching halt. What do you do with that? So talking about feeling stuck. 
Yeah, I, I can totally relate. And I guess even with the pandemic, for me, it was scary leaving and still working in it. You know what I mean? I was really like nervous leaving my family to go in to take care of COVID. And am I going to bring it home? Am I going to die from taking care of that? It was just so much stress and stuff. And so we talk about being unstuck. So now I just want you to try to give me five tips you felt like helped you on your journey to become unstuck. Okay, absolutely. I have written some things down because there's there's so much. First of all, recognizing that there could be a particular trend to your motivation level. So sometimes people say, you know, sometimes I just lose my motivation. Um, I don't feel like I'm as productive. And what do we do? When that happens, most of the time we try to push through it. We're going to barge for it. And we're just going to, you know, just pull up our bootstraps and we're going to get it done. But what if you just listen to that and sort of scale back because there may be some creative process processes that are trying to occur, but they can't occur if we are constantly being stimulated, constantly uh, wanting to move forward. So that's the first thing is seeing if you notice any particular seasonal trends. And for me, just over the last few years, I started to notice that in the fall, like around September, October, I have this um, natural inclination to want to slow down, but I've never noticed that before. I'm pretty sure that when I've had it, I just pushed on through it and kept going with it. And I'm going to stop right here. This is the first step. I have more, but I want to stop because I, I think this is really important and I'm still living through this. So last September, October, that happened. And I say, you know what? I'm going to roll with it. I'm not accepting any engagements. I'm not trying to schedule any workshops. I'm just going to take it easy. And by doing that, I started thinking about our upcoming wedding anniversary. So we're, we were getting ready to celebrate 25 years. Yes, y'all. Like, 25. Yes. 25. And I'm like, that's a big deal. And normally what we do for our anniversary, we'll go on a trip. And so that was the plan. We you know planned some trip or something like that. And I was like, this is huge because when we got married, we got married with so many odds against us. First of all, um, you know, my parents were divorced. You know, we were super young. We were in college when we got married. Our financial net worth was negative, negative zero because I had student loans and my husband had student loans and we got married. So <laughs> we were already negative the there. There was just so many things that could have played into us not even being here. So I was like, you know, I really want to honor that in a different way. And so now that I had space, my creative juices just started flowing and it came, it, it just turned into, and not that I had planned this, but it turned into this whole countdown to 25. So it was countdown to our 25th anniversary. Our anniversary came and I started planning all these uh, 25 things in the next 12 months. We're celebrating the 25. And as a result of that, and this is just me being like it's just flowing as a result of that people have reached out like even as early as this morning or as recent as this morning saying that it has inspired them they cannot wait now they have new ideas a friend of mine told me she said i shared it with someone else and they're doing that for their marriage another friend told me she said we have two years and i already told my husband we're gonna do this so that's a perfect example for me. It's encouragement for me to lean into those natural rhythms because I could have kept pushing. I'm, I'm good at that. I could have kept pushing and I would have missed this. I would have missed the opportunity to share 
my gift to inspire other people in the pursuit of still trying to trying to help other people, but being open to where God was leading me and directing me. So the second thing is with feeling, getting past that like unstuckness is checking yourself. When you feel a negative emotion, asking yourself, why does this matter? Mm. And sometimes it really doesn't. Most of the time it really doesn't. But if we don't check those negative feelings that can just weigh us down and continue into to be stuck. I agree with that. It takes practice and you never get to where you can do it hundred percent. I mean, you get to the point where you're like, Oh, I snapped back a little bit sooner. I didn't sit in that as long as I usually would sit in that, but that's, that's huge because negativity is so easy to feed ourselves a negative narrative. And it's not always the blatant things like you're never going to do it or you're ugly or you're fat. No, that's too easy. We can recognize that. It's the subtle thoughts like, well, I would try, but last time I tried it, it didn't work out. So, mm, or nah, somebody else is already doing it. They're already in that space. Mm -mm, there's no room for me. So mm. it's those kind of negative thoughts that you have to really check and put them in place. That's a good one. I like that. The third thing is, and this was me because I could do a lot of things well. I remember saying at one point, I don't give maybe my gift is that I knew how to do a little bit of everything, but I don't have the one thing. Mm -hmm. So knowing that there are things that you can do and do them well, but it's only the things that you do that align with your spirit that's going to satisfy you and be impactful. Say that definition one more time. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that you can do and a lot of things that you can maybe even do well, but it's only what you are doing that aligns with your spirit that's going to bear lasting fruit and have you in a place of fulfillment and in a place of impact. Mm. And that that's one, again, is, like I said, there were, as I was finding myself um, trying to figure out what it is I'm supposed to be doing, it was hard because there were lots of things that I could do. Just about everything that I put my mind to, I ended up doing it and being successful with it. But and when I say successful, again, by society's metrics, so whatever goals were supposed to be reached, I could reach those goals, but that did not equate to me feeling fulfilled or feeling like I was making an impact. So really searching and figuring out what aligns with your spirit is a process, but that is truly part of being unstuck because otherwise, I mean, we most of people have been there before where you're doing something and then it just becomes like just something mundane. that you're doing. Yeah, it becomes <laughs> yeah. mundane and, and you just don't feel, it. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like the podcast and just even Intentional Queen Journey as a whole gives me that alignment of feeling like, you know, it's in alignment. And I heard golden thread when you said that, that just really resonated in my spirit when you said things can be a golden thread. So it's something about, just knowing that things can be in alignment, but where is the zigzag of where everything kind of correlates when you're connecting the dots in each situation? Because I think sometimes people feel like life is supposed to be a straight line, but it is, it's a lot of up and down and figuring out and embracing each season too. I think that's the hardest thing is, especially when you're in your lowest seasons is embracing them because we want to run through them. And so I did yes. hear you when you said that, sit in that. That's why I wanted to bring back that whole feeling thing. Sometimes you got to sit in that for a minute and unpack. All right, give us your last two. I was listening. 
<laughs> well, one of them you just said, sitting still mentally long enough to not only receive inspiration, but also transformation, because a lot of times we don't want to sit still long enough because it's uncomfortable, but it's like, it's like going to a conference, you know, I'm a conference girl, like, give me a good conference. And I'm like, yes, you can go to a conference and you can get that inspiration. But if you don't do the work, you're not going to receive the transformation. Mm. It's an emotional Won't receive experience. the transformation. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something you just said about, you know, the golden thread. I saw a quote, um, Dr. Caroline Leaf posted not too long ago and it said regarding purpose because we're always like where am I operating in my purpose what's my purpose and purpose can be like this elusive thing we're chasing right but what she said just really stuck out to me and it was your purpose is not the thing you do it's the thing that happens in others when you do what you do mm. I was like oh Mm. Yeah. So that's a good way of looking for purpose. Not so much about what I'm doing, but what happens in other people when I do when what I do. I do. So when people say, I'm just so inspired by you or, you know, you inspire me. And that's the word that I hear over and over. And it's in alignment with my personal mission statement, which is to use my God given gifts and abilities to help other people live their best lives. And that's my last thing I would say. I, I have other tips, but I'll say I'll make that the last one. But having a mission statement, if corporations and organizations, nonprofits can have a mission statement, we as individuals should have a mission statement to keep us on track to be our North Star, to be our guide, because it's pretty simple. It's what you're doing every day. Is that guiding you on your purpose? Is that guiding you on your mission? Or is it not? It's either contributing or it's subtracting and if it's subtracting then you need to cut that stuff off whatever it is mm. well listen I was going to say what would you go back and tell your younger self but I feel like when you gave your tips you you infused your story <laughs> with it so really is there anything else you want to add I'm just I mean I've learned a lot you definitely helped me see things from a different perspective and there was one last thing before I get ready to let you go and you said to me live like you already have what you need Tell people what that means when you told me that quote. So all we have is right now. The past and the future are both constructs. The past, I don't, I mean, even if it's something that's good that happened, it's not going to happen again exactly that way. So that's the past. And when I'm treating patients, a lot of times I'm in addition to trying to help them manage illnesses, whether it's bipolar disorder or anxiety or depression, I'm also trying to help them sort through their feelings and things that may be holding them back. And usually what I see when people are dwelling on the past, that's where a lot of depression and feeling low motivation and lack of interest comes in. And when I see people who are fixated on the future, that's where I see the anxiety and the ruminating thoughts. So if we can stay in the present moment and realize that the destination is right here in this moment because we are not guaranteed this next moment. My husband was doing a Bible study one night and I was there, I witnessed this. So this isn't something I heard, this is real. And he was saying whatever he was teaching on. And he said, we don't know what tomorrow holds. He said, we may not even be here. He said, you may not even be here tomorrow. And the lady, he said, you may die to, before tomorrow gets here. And this lady said, I ain't dying tomorrow. Janine, that lady died the next day. 
What? Life is not guaranteed. I told Life you about grief too. Mm -hmm. Life is not guaranteed. And there's been so many times where I've seen people who were so focused on the future and then something unexpected happened, whether it's an illness, some type of loss. And then we're like, so like I was shorted and it, it's not. So enjoy that. Enjoy this moment because you don't ever want to get to a point where you say, man, I wish I had to enjoy life back then. Life was so much better. Enjoy it now. So those things that you're looking forward to in the future, live like, just pretend, pretend like you are already there and see what those emotions springing up and you feel like and try to harness those every day. And that's the living in the present moment. And that's something that is fairly new for me. And I'm still practicing that. But let me tell you, it helps so much. It helps me keep my eye on my journey, not what other people are doing, not like, oh, I wish I had did this sooner. I wasted time. Mm -mm. I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing. I'm not thinking about my future. Now, of course, I mean, you, you do have to like, you know, think about your future, pay your bills and you know, yes, try to yes. set up for retirement, but not getting so fixated fixating on that. So that is definitely, you know, living in the now, enjoying the life that's around you today and knowing you don't have to figure everything out today. You don't, you just read you somebody right to. there. You just read somebody because <laughs> I think um it's so hard. And it was funny when you were talking about when your kids were smaller and you wanted to make sure that you could make it to all their functions and stuff like that. That was the anxiety I used to have with my very strict shifts that I had with the 24 hours and this and that, I couldn't be at everything. And then I had switched and went to a different job and I was able to show up for my son and to see him say, mommy, this was the best thing ever that you were able to come. Or, you know, those were the things that made me smile because it's like, finally I can like be there. I don't get this time back. Time is not guaranteed. And like you said, mm -hmm. life events happen, whether it's somebody dying or whatever, things can happen to you personally. Something can happen to you and you may not be able to do all all the things you used to do but embracing where you are and another intentional thing I did with my son is like being present in that moment meaning like when he's mm -hmm. at karate or something put my phone down being intentional with my family and not like being um so distracted by electronics and things like that when we're doing what we're doing I'm in that and so that's like yes. you said staying in the now and not worried about what's happening tomorrow and all the mm -hmm. things just just sit in that for a second so I think that's full circle about becoming unstuck because like you said, when you think about the future, that's where the anxiety comes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I would say that's, that's mostly it in a nutshell. And, um, and one thing I tell people is, and you don't have to have an opinion about everything. Mm -hmm. So going back to that and why does it matter asking ourselves and why, and why does this matter? That's a good little internal question to ask either like verbally out loud or just mentally, because we, we can, as people, we can have an opinion about everything. I I try to be like when, you know, we just had the Super Bowl. Everybody was talking about like Rihanna and this. And I'm mm -hmm. like, guys, does it matter? You know, energy I is energy. So when we divert and put our energy on those things, I'm not saying like ignore stuff that's going on in the world, but don't get, people were like having full conversations for days about this. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> if you could only just harness that energy. <laughs> That's why I like to stay in my lane. That's called standing in your lane. Sometimes it's not worth your attention. It's not worth it. Sometimes it is, like you said. But listen, we've had such a good conversation. Is there any last things you want to say? Because I'm going to have you give us your contact information. How can people, you know, follow you, use you as a success coach, all that good stuff. Tell me about it. You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, Instagram and YouTube. And um, I, like I said, I am right now just enjoying my best life. I am finally 
seeing myself the way that God sees me. Yeah, all of my handles are Dr. Sherlanda Adkins. Yeah, okay. so that's where you can find me on Instagram and on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So I do post and share. And um, yeah, so reach out and follow. And thank you for having me. This has been fun. It's always, I love talking about this kind of stuff. I get energized talking about all the introspective and how to yes. live better lives and to get unstuck and create a life you don't have to escape. I totally believe that. And I think that's something that, um, like we said, 20% of Black people you were seeing are really struggling with mental health. And I really want people to think about that and just really embrace that it's okay to discuss these things, help themselves become unstuck. And Mm -hmm. um, I just want to thank you for that. So I'm going to get ready to close this out of the podcast. And I want to say thank you guys for listening to us. The email comes out the last Thursday of every month. You know, my handles are Intentional Queen Journey. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you go. We're also on www.intentionalqueenjourney.com. Make sure you tag and share with a friend. And last but not least, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Level up your intentional queen to a better you. Bye-bye.